Thank you, and it's lovely to be here. As uh, Tom said, my name's Sam, if you've not met before. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's great to be thinking today about this, um, this pressing issue as we continue this series and actually picking up where Tom left off last week, thinking about racial justice. And uh, I just want to start by uh, looking at a verse that Tom ended on last week, just so that we've got a smooth transition into this week from uh, the book of Revelation, chapter 7, um, where it gives this wonderful picture of, of heaven. And it says this, after this, I, and that's John, the, the, um, the, the writer of the book of Revelation, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language standing in in front of the throne and before the Lamb. And, uh, you know, Tom last week um, ended on, on these verses um, and encouraging us to think about this beautiful picture of a, a colourful, a united multitude from every race, every ethnicity, every language, every nation gathered around the throne worshipping God. And, and we reflected on that last week around what the biblical foundations are for racial justice and the fact that ethnic and racial diversity are very much part of our eternal future. It's something that will always be with us and always something to be celebrated. But I'm aware this morning, um, as we then pick up, um, we're, we're going to be doing less of the biblical foundations today and more of hearing some stories, hearing some interviews, thinking about how we should be responding to, um, to this issue today. I'm aware that it can make, um, for some people here perhaps, feel a bit uncomfortable. It might be this morning that some of what we um, talk about and share might feel a little bit painful. It might be for others that, you know, this is a really welcome uh, discussion. Um, but whatever your starting point this morning, I would encourage you to come with an open mind and an open heart to, to really be asking this morning, you know, what is God trying to say to me? What is God trying to say to us through all of this? And so we're going to start today by um, hearing an interview um, with Reverend Dr. Catherine Okoronkwa, Okoronkwa, I believe it is, and, uh, and she is actually based in Swindon. Um, and so we really wanted to get her along this morning and, uh, and she was really up for it. But unfortunately, with diary clashes, um, she then finds herself at the moment out in Ghana. And so by the wonders of modern technology, uh, Dave uh, Stockwell was able to interview her during the week. And she's got tons of wisdom um, to share with us. And so we're going to start by watching a short interview with her. Hello, Catherine. It's really great to have you with us. And um, I want to introduce you to uh, Dr. Catherine Okoronko, who's uh, Bishop's Advisor on Racial Justice. Catherine's coming to us from a wide experience. She's got a lot to tell us. I wonder, Catherine, whether you could introduce a bit more about yourself. Um, tell us a bit about your background and uh, where you come from. Yes, of course, um, Dave, and it's wonderful to have this opportunity to speak to folk. Um, thank you for your warm welcome. I'm Reverend Dr. Catherine Okoronkwa, and I was based in Swindon. I was raised in the Middle East, particularly in Israel. So I grew up as a third culture kid. Um, I attended the international school, the Anglican school in Jerusalem. It's an Anglican school, um, very 
you know, multicultural in a sense, um, at the heart in the heart of Jerusalem. And I then ended up in boarding schools in the UK and I attended universities in America. And so I do come with that whole cross-cultural um, cosmopolitan experience of having lived in different cultures amongst different people. And one of the things that I'm so passionate about about is that people see Christ in others, you know, that people recognize the spirit of God, um, the humanity of God in people of all races and cultures and backgrounds and heritages. And I really do believe that this work is only through the strength of God or through the courage of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives that we're able to engage um, fully um, and courageously and boldly in this work because humans are sinful and we let each other down all the time. Humans tend to be prone to, you know, sticking with what is familiar, staying in their comfort zones, um, holding on to things that feel safe. Um, and one of these, the things that this conversation causes us to reflect on is that it shatters all of that. It is asking us to step out of our comfort zones. It's asking us to not stick with what's familiar, the people who look like us, talk like us, act like us. It's asking us to walk in somebody else's shoes. And that's such a common phrase, but it's actually a hard thing to do um, to step into someone else's shoes, their experiences, their context, their circumstances. And it's actually even more difficult to walk in that person's shoes. Um, okay. So this is a very complex discourse, but I am so passionate about it because I think that if we as black people or minority ethnic people matter to God, then obviously we have to matter to our white brothers and sisters. Okay, that's a really great in introduction and, and saying that God is part of this, this is really important. And, and I want to go on and, and ask you to share something of your experiences of living in the UK as a, as a person of color, some of the challenges, struggles, positive things as well. Well, of course. Um, as I mentioned, I attended the Anglican school in Jerusalem, and that was a very multicultural school. We had children from all over the world attending the school. So in my primary school years, I was very much protected um, in many senses around the issue of race, even though on the outside of that school, living in Jerusalem in Israel, we were abused racially all the time by Jews and Arabs because in 1970s Israel, um, there were very few blacks. Um, a lot of the blacks came through the United Nations where my father worked. And then having moved on to the boarding schools in England, that was a real shock because we were a handful of black children who went to the boarding schools that we attended. And I remember that my earliest memories in those secondary schools were constantly being mocked, for example, because of the size of my thighs or the size of my lips or the size of my nose. So those were real constant teasing. And I know children mock 
other children for a whole host of reasons. Um, and it's not always on the issue of race, but that really created in me a sense of less than on many levels and insecurities. But, you know, over the years, I haven't really been as confronted by race and racism um, until in the last decade as I entered into the work of the church. And it's within the church scenario or church settings that have really been confronted by what it means to be racially constructed or racially um, told that you're not an insider, that you do not belong, or that actually, even though you're on the inside of the church community, you're on the inside with permission from the wider or the more um, prominent host. And it's just this sense of, if you do not speak in a particular way, or if you do not act in a particular way, or if you do not present yourself in a particular way within church settings, that you're kind of, in a way, accused or told that you can never belong or you can never participate fully in. We need to open up our capacity for encouraging our ability to connect with the other. It's not the other's um, duty or job to help you connect with them. It's a case of almost like encouraging or asking God for help to open up ourselves so that we can see the humanity of the other or see the wisdoms and the insights that the other has to offer us. Um, because when we start with the perception that it's up to the other to walk towards us, I think we miss the gift and the goodness of God, because actually it's for us to walk towards the other so as to connect, so as to find out their stories, so as to understand more their backgrounds and their heritages and the richness of all that comes with that. That's really helpful to see that. And, uh, and we want to draw near, we want to take those steps. And, um, <laughs> and that's kind of led us into to the question of, of how can we do that? You know, as a church, we're we're looking at how to deal with racial justice within the church. We're looking at how, as individual Christians, as we uh, meet people on the street or at the school gate, what what kind of things can we do? Practical ideas that we can uh, take on board that will help us to to do what you're saying to move towards the other. So, in terms of practical things, I think one of the things. Um, that I would suggest is being open to listening, listening without judgment, listening without criticism, listening in the sense of just allowing another person to share the story. Um, I think many people think that they listen well, but I would challenge and say that most of us don't actually listen right. well. Um, so being really working on ourselves to be better listeners to other people's stories and allow people the space to speak their own story, to tell their own truths um, and to allow it that space to be whatever being means or is, is so important. In terms of worship or 
creating more helpful spaces in our churches. I think there's something about really reviewing what hospitality and welcome means. And I think we need to do more and we need to do better because welcome and hospitality is about the whole experience of the person in that moment or in that worship event, you know? So once they pass through the smiles um, and then they sit in the church, for example, as they sit in the church, what around the church makes the person feel welcome? If all the worship music is in a language that I'm not particularly familiar with, for example, English, if it's refugees or asylum seekers coming through the church, how does that make me feel welcome? And I'm not saying there's rights and wrong, but what I'm saying is let's challenge ourselves in terms of how the whole space, how the whole experience enables or encourages or facilitates others to feel welcome. Um, and as people grow in the church and are being discipled, how do we enable them to facilitate, um, to participate rather more fully in at all levels of church um, worship and church familyship, so to speak. We need to be, you know, not only thinking that people can only do a particular work or role, but valuing people. Um, and I just think that if our capacity is widened, if our capacity is increased, then we're able to do that, those affirmations and encouragement and value and giving people dignity more fully. But that means it starts with us. It really always does. Yeah. Okay, so that's really helpful things you talked about listening and, and and I love this idea of valuing people. So Catherine, it's really been good talking to you and I've really enjoyed listening to what you've had to say. It's very positive, very encouraging, and um I'm sure there'll be things that we'll be able to work on. Thank you, Dave. Um, and just to say that people are always welcome to contact me um, if they have questions or if they want to take the conversation further. My details can be found on the diocese's website. So always welcome for a conversation. Thank you. That was a really helpful interview. Lots of wisdom um, shared there. And actually, there's a, there, that was part of a much longer interview. Um, and we'll make the whole interview available on our website shortly, um, highgrove.church slash racial justice. Um, and you'll, you'll find the link from that on the front page. Um, and you'll be able to watch the whole thing if you'd like to um, hear more from Catherine. Some really wise words there. And so we're now going to hear, we've heard from someone, um, you know, from Swindon slash Ghana. And now uh, we're going to hear from someone a bit more local to home. Um, where's Steph? I'm going to ask Steph if she can come on up. Now, uh, now Steph, uh, I looked this up actually this morning, Steph. I think the first Sunday you came to Highgrove was the 10th of November, 2010. Uh, I, I'm impressed that I, I managed to find that out. Uh, so, uh, Steph, you've been with us now for, gosh, 11 years yeah. um, here. And, uh, and so Steph, um, Steph joined um, Highgrove having come to Bristol University from Jakarta. Um, so she came to study here um, all that time ago, 11 years ago. Oh, dear. And, uh, <laughs> So I, I thought I'd just ask Steph, kind of perhaps what some of her, you know, casting her mind back all that time, uh, just what some of your experiences were like coming to Bristol 
um, as an international student and, and perhaps also kind of crossing the threshold of church here at Highgrove? Yeah, um, so I arrived in September, I think. Yes. Uh, <laughs> before uni starts, uh, started. Um, it was very scary. I think I was the only... My parents um, took me here. We arrived in Bristol Airport on a KLM plane. Um, uh, there was only four people of sort of Chinese-looking faces on the plane. Three were me and my family, and the other one was a Malaysian student. So it was very much God provided because we could ask her questions like where to go and stuff like that because there was nothing at all um, to help me. And I was basically just like just stuck. I was, my parents whose English were considerably worse than mine at that point had to speak for me because I was just not able to speak. And presumably you arrive at the airport and you, you know, where do you, how do you know where to go? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Bristol Airport, I mean, I'm sorry to say, but it's not the, well, the most well-signed airport in the world. Um, but um, yeah, so that was a bit scary. And then I spoke okay English, I think. I passed my, you know, English proficiency test. Um, but... I was able to I was able to talk, but you know when you when you speak a language really fluently, you can chat, as in you you talk, you can banter, you can laugh, you can have a joke. Whereas I I wasn't able to. I think um, so. Language was still a little bit difficult, um, and then obviously coming to church, uh, it's a bit scary. It was my first time at church because I became a Christian in Indonesia, not in here, um, but I wasn't allowed to go to church. So, the, so coming to Bristol was my first time actually, yes, I can go to church, like, yes. Um, um, but yeah, again, language and everything was just a bit overwhelming, I think. Um, and so what were some of the things that helped you to feel connected, both sort of into church life and um, more generally in Bristol? How did you get connected? Um, I think by being involved in people's lives, I think, um, so I'm just going to name names because um, I can't think of examples. The Simpsons are very, very wonderful. And <laughs> I remember when I first got invited, uh, I, I got invited into their house. Um, Gracie was still in reception, I think. It, it, was, it was so long ago. Um, but I think kind of, Opening up your house to people who are really, you know, new to everything, it, it's a vulnerable place. But I think it's re it's really helped me certainly. Um, yeah, um, kind of just feel like, oh, actually, I know people. I can build relationships with people rather than um, just, you know, hello, how are you? Where do you come from? That's it. Um, Annie Crossman. Um, then I don't know. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce German name, sorry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, asked me to be involved in the crash and the children and children's church, even though my I mean my English was okay, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> and I think that that really helped me integrate into the church. Um, so yeah, just like what Reverend Dr. Catherine said 
uh, earlier, just be, be open, hospitable. I think just taking that first step to um, talk to people of a different, like just people who look like they don't really speak English very well. Or I, um, yeah, because I think that that can be the hardest thing for them because if, if you can't talk to them, their English isn't probably isn't better than yours, so they're even more scared of making the wrong sentences or anything. I certainly did, so, yeah. Thank you so much, Steph. That's really so. helpful, really good to hear from you. Thank you. I still need to take that English proficiency test myself, I think. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, David and Chloe if they want to come on up, and, uh, and they're going to now lead us in some prayers and some of their own um, reflections on this issue. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, we just thought we'd take a bit of time. Um, it's, there's been quite a lot of conversation so far, so just a little bit of time just for some internal reflection to pray about some things. So there's going to be some prayers coming up on the screen, so we'll just take a moment in between each of the prayers just to, just to yeah, reflect. Um, so yeah, Lord Jesus, use this time to open my eyes to what I can't see and haven't seen and where I have deliberately fallen short of your love towards others. We thank you that you are a God of forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me for the times I have fallen short and cleanse my heart of racism, division and prejudice. Lord, I pray that through your forgiveness, you will grow in me a spirit of acceptance and honouring of people who are different to me. I pray you will show me ways that I can challenge racism among my friends, family, and in my workplace, and in this church community. Open my eyes to things I can change in my own heart and attitudes and also in my areas of influence. Lord, may I become a person who brings peace and is willing to forgive as well as ask for forgiveness. Amen. Chloe and I are going to chat a bit about our experiences as we've engaged with this whole topic of, of racial justice. And um, Chloe, you were one of the people who really started to instigate this in the church. What was, what was the turning point that made you to consider racial justice more seriously? Um. So, yeah, I think it was around a year and a half ago when um, this topic was becoming more widely spoken about. Um, and I felt like there was actually a turning point. I was, um, there was a, a woman, a black woman, who shared her experiences on the radio. Um, and I was sat in my kitchen and there was just this moment where I, I felt like um, really touched by what she was saying. And um, just 
realised that maybe I had been part of the problem as well. Um, that I had maybe said things or done things or not spoken up when I should have. And I think for me that was, was a turning point where I started to realise that maybe I had contributed to things mm. as well. Um, how about you, Dave? What, how did things open your eyes? Yeah, um, I think uh, I, was, I was brought up in, in East London. It was a very multicultural part of London, even at that time. Um, and I was challenged as I read the Bible, really, about, about God loving and God's love being all-embracing. And uh, as I thought more about the Bible and thought more about what God was saying, the whole idea of people made in God's image was something that really spoke to me. And because each person, whoever they are, whatever their ethnicity is, they're made in God's image, I can see value, worth, importance in everybody I meet, whoever they are. And that was uh, really important for me. And... Uh, it moved me on, and I'm sure you moved on too, Chloe, as you, you heard this woman speak, George Floyd incident. I wonder if you can give us some ideas of, of what happened, how you moved forward from that point. Yeah, um, I was trying to think back to the, the actual moment that things changed, but somehow forgiveness came to mind. And um, from this feeling of feeling a lot of guilt and a lot of shame of, of what might, I might have contributed, um, just being reminded of God's forgiveness and how he can forgive us when um, we have sinned and, and gone against what he wants. So I think in that moment it was moving um, from a place of guilt and shame to a place of grace okay. um, to help me change. So, yeah, and what's changed for you, Dave, especially in your work as well? Yeah, so... Um, as I thought about God's um, image in people, it encouraged me to want to go and live and work cross-culturally. And so I had the opportunity to go and work uh, in another country. And um, living in a different culture, a place that's different from your own, it gave me an opportunity um, to do two things. One was to experience what it's like to be a minority and some of the challenges that living uh, in a different culture brings you. And the other thing was it helped me to open my eyes to the riches of other people's way of looking at the world and the way of living, and uh, to realize that other people's differences can be very rich and very wonderful and can add to the, the joy of life and the world. Um, so. That was, for me, a thing that really changed me. And I wonder about you, as you moved on into work and things, what was it that changed in your life? Yeah, um, I think it was through living from a place of grace, I felt more confident to be able to speak out and to, um, to yeah, learn as well, listen. Um, not feeling guilt and shame, but being able to say certain things. Um, so in friends and families, in work, um, in church as well, feeling more confident to speak out. Um, I still get really afraid. I was really afraid coming up today about saying and doing the wrong things. And I think it's those moments where God really um, can help and um, be, a, be that support when we don't feel like we're um, open or, or doing what's right so yeah what have you recognized Dave do you feel yeah so one I, I was thinking about this and thinking about what it was that has 
motivated me? What, what, what am I recognizing? And I'm recognizing a number of things. I'm recognizing that the hurt and anger that people of different ethnicities express is genuine and real. They've been through very difficult situations, things that have hurt them deeply. And we need to recognize that. Catherine was talking about listening to their stories. And I need to recognize too that that people say and do things that are really hurtful. Maybe it's intentionally, maybe it's unintentionally. And I know that I've been guilty of that too. And I also need to recognize that I'm part of a history, a history which has done things which are awful, things which are unimaginably awful. And I recognize that I'm not innocent, I'm not immune, because that's part of my history. And I also want to say, if you've been involved in this, if, if you're feeling hurt, if you've got pain because you've been on the receiving end of these things, then we want to walk with you through this. So do come and speak to us. We want to support you. So what about you? How, how is God helping you in your daily work and things you do? Yeah, I think um, it's just the, the opportunities to be able to to rely on him um, and to have that confidence really to, to say and, and do things differently. Mm. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you both. That's really helpful. And I, I just, as we, uh, as we close, I just want to um, run through five really quick things that we can do in by way of response. Um, and the first thing is, um, you know, you may want to, um, from away from today, you know, read something new. Um, you know, there's a, a couple of good books that I've linked there. Um, one called We Need to Talk About Race um, by Ben Lindsay, really good book. Um, and also God is Not a White Man um, by Chenny McDonald. Um, there's some, you know, really great books if you want to kind of start thinking through this and particularly the implications for the church and for Christian life. Um, and you can find links to those to your favourite online bookstore um, at highgrove.church slash racial justice. Um, to find out more. So you might want to read. Um, the second thing um, is you might want to watch uh, something as well. Uh, and there's a great series, a great four-part series by the historian David Olasuga. Olasuga is his name? Olasugu? I can't remember his name. Yeah, Olasuga. Um, and uh, yeah, really um, fantastic historian, but also someone who has really thought very deeply about the relationship between um, British people and, and people whose origins particularly lie in Africa. Um, and so um, his series called Black and British, A Forgotten History, is well worth watching uh, on BBC iPlayer. Again, you can get the links um, online if you'd like to do that. And um, the third thing um, that you could do is you could talk about it. You could discuss it with others. And, uh, and we'd encourage you off the back of this. It may be that you want to take away a discussion in your small group um, that you're part of here at Highgrove. And, um, you know, Dave and Chloe have, um, have offered to come along and perhaps help to facilitate an evening of discussion. If you would like that at your small group, we'd love to um, have people really exploring these issues. And we're very conscious that, um, you know, what we also want is if, if you feel as well, you've got something you would like to bring to that by way of discussion, you feel like your, your background, your experience is something you would like to share, then please make that known as well, because we would love a, a wider group of people to be able to help resource that. Uh, the fourth thing um, you could do is, of course, pray. And, uh, and it may be you want to take the opportunity to read through the Psalms and to, to look at where just the number of places where the nations are mentioned in the Bible. 
It might be you just want to ask God um, to just really to, to impact your heart as you reflect on um, what you've heard today. And, and the fifth thing um, is to act. And it may be um, for you off the back of this that you want to make a conscious choice to, to talk with someone who perhaps is from a different culture, or a different ethnicity, and just choose to listen very closely to um, what it is that they say. Listen to their story. Choose just that to have a conversation to help to expand your own mind and your own thinking as part of this. Of course, there's, there's so much more that we can do. And, uh, and so there's um, these, these five steps are on our website. Um, and you can uh, follow links through to, um, to each of those points if you would uh, like to. Um, but I'm going to pray and I'm just going to ask Annie and the band if they can do one last song, if that's all right. We've got time and, uh, and we'll uh, finish our service. Yeah, so Father, we, um, Lord, we thank you for, um, for this wonderful picture that we get in the Bible of, um, of, of racial and ethnic diversity, uh, of colour, of life. And, um, and Lord, we say that we're sorry for those times where we, through, through word and thought and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, have, have done things that have, um, have marred your wonderful image of diversity uh, in the world around us. And so, um, Lord, I just I pray for each one of us as we consider and we think around these deep issues, uh, Lord, that you would help us and take us on that journey, Lord, to be people that better reflect Jesus in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.